Well, good morning. It's good to see you all. Uh, for those that don't know me, my name is Brian Lankford, and we've been a part of the church. I have two sons, Jack and Nick, and my wife, Robin. We've been here for 18 years, uh, so been here a while. Uh, my day job, I lead a campus ministry at Michigan State and at LCC called Crew. And uh, normally at Red Cedar, we study a book of the Bible and we go through the whole book of the Bible. But I noticed a trend when summer hit that the, we started to have more preachers and they were just doing topics. So I thought, I kind of like this. It kind of mixes it up. So I chose this topic for today, the body of Christ. I think summer is a good time for us to think about us, to think about who we are as a church and how we should function. So that's where I want to go uh, this morning, is to head down this topic through a passage in 1 Corinthians. And before I get into the passage, I want to give you a little bit of background on this church. Um, it was a, so this is actually a letter written by a guy named Paul to a church in Corinth, which is in Greece, that he planted. And you can read about this in Acts chapter 18. And so Paul was traveling around Greece, and he led a bunch of people to Christ in Corinth. And then he stayed there actually 18 months, which is long for him, and led these people. And then he made a decision to go and visit some of the other churches that he planted in modern-day Turkey. So he took off from there. And when he was in Ephesus... And spending a little bit of time there, he got a report back. And the report was that the church in Corinth was pretty messed up. And I know you're probably thinking, like, messed up isn't a very theological word. <laughs> like, how is that in a sermon, you know? Um, but let me tell you how messed up they, they were, and then you could decide if it's a good word to use or not. Um, so... In general, they were selfish people. They were very sinful, so these are just general. But then some specifics is they broke into factions, and they were bickering and fighting within their different factions, saying who, which faction was greater than the other. The wealthy Christians uh, were neglecting the poor Christians, and Corinth had a lot of wealthy people. It was a very pros prosperous city. There was blatant sexual sin that was actually known about and kind of applauded and celebrated within the church. They were filing lawsuits against each other, and they were prideful. They were so prideful that they were talking bad about Paul, who was their founder and leader, and basically saying he's not as great as he thinks he is, and they were talking down on him. So what do you think? Messed up? Yeah, I think it's pretty messed up, and, and there's more that I could tell you. But as I studied uh, 1 Corinthians, I studied it last summer, uh, I was really struck with the similarities between the Corinthian church and the American church. We're a very prosperous church in America. Um, we have sin and selfishness. We have factions. Currently, there's a lot of lawsuits going on within the church. Not this church, but other churches, thankfully. Um, we have pride. And it felt like a very relevant book. And I know sometimes people say, the Bible doesn't feel relevant to today. 
Why say read 1 Corinthians? It'll feel very fresh and relevant and maybe a little convicting. Um, so the main theme that comes out in this letter is how to live as a community focused on Christ. So while he's addressing pride, he's talking about how pride is a community killer and you shouldn't be living like this because it's killing your community. You should be living in a way that builds community. Or when he was talking about the factions, he's like, that is killing community. So Paul, throughout the way he addresses all the problems is he's hitting this overarching theme of how to live as a community founded on Christ. So let me pray for us, and then we'll take a look at the passage. <clears throat> Lord, uh, I'm thankful that we're here today, able to celebrate and to worship. Lord, I pray that you would speak. Lord, I imagine there's some here that really need encouragement. Would you use the service, the sermon, the passage to speak encouragement? There's some that need the sting of conviction. Would your spirit bring conviction? And Lord, would you give us ears to hear from you, to be able to hear what you want to say, and the humility to receive it? In Jesus' name, amen. Well, uh, in your bulletin, you have the passage that we're going to look at that Aaron just read. Uh, but in this passage, he gives a metaphor to describe the body of Christ. And he says you're to a community, a church community, like a human body. A human body that, that needs each part. A human body that is there and needs to work together. And, uh, and so we're going to break down this metaphor. And I have notes on the other side of, of your passage. And you'd like, you should pull these out because I'm going to ask you to do something with them in a little bit. So I want you to fill in the notes, because I'm going to just walk us through six observations about the body of Christ from this passage. So let's, uh, let's just start with number one. I guess I'm in charge of that, aren't I? There we go. Six observations about the body of Christ. There is one body with many members, and Christ is the head. And it comes from verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. So it's easy for us to think about ourselves as a hundred individuals that happen to come together to the same church to worship. But what this passage is saying, actually, we're a hundred individuals that make up a body. And that body has Christ as the head. So it's a, it's a paradigm shift that Paul is trying to get across. It's not just you and Jesus. And again, that's an American individualistic thing. It's not just you and your family in Jesus. It's all of us make up a body. So that's the first point. We collectively are the body of Christ. Second, the body is diverse. Also verse 13. For in one spirit, we are all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Which is kind of nice that the New City Catechism was on the Holy Spirit, 
One of the things the Holy Spirit does is it places us in unity. So we're unified because of the Holy Spirit. And in this passage, he lists ethnic diversity, socioeconomic diversity, and giftedness and ability diversity. In other passages, he talks about things like that we're male and we're female. He talks about marital status diversity, more specific ethnic diversity, and generations or age diversity. But the bottom line is the body of Christ is diverse. And the diversity uh, of the body is from God. And I know right now in our culture, and it's a good value, our culture really values diversity. Um, and, and we should value diversity, but not just because our culture values diversity, but because God values diversity. God's the one that made the body diverse. And it's something that we should celebrate and see as a good thing. So that's the second thing. Third thing, the body is one because of the spirit. For in one spirit, we are all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. So we're not unified because we are the same. We're not unified because we all agree. We're unified because of the one spirit. The spirit unifies us. And often as churches, we unify over either theology or style of worship. That's usually what will unify a church. And I don't think that's bad. I think it's fine to be unified over a theology or a style of preaching or worship. But this passage is saying that there is a truth that transcends our worship style. There's a truth that transcends our different theology, and it's that the Spirit unifies us into a body. Whether you feel like it or not, you are unified because you share the Spirit. And you may not know this, but Red Cedar actually has a diversity of theological beliefs. And it's actually something that we value in this church. We have differing uh, beliefs on spiritual gifts, differing views on predestination and free will, differing beliefs on the age of the earth, different beliefs on the return of Christ. There's a lot of differing beliefs in this church. Um, but we're one, not because we can tolerate each other's views. We're one, not because we can agree to disagree. We're one because of the Holy Spirit. And I think Paul was trying to get that across to this church that was in factions and lawsuits and they're fighting. He's like, you're not living out who you are. The Spirit has already unified you. Uh, around a year ago, Jennifer Byram, I hope this is all right, Jennifer. <laughs> uh, I didn't check with her. Uh, Jennifer gave a God at Work story up here and, uh, and she talked about how She's like, I don't agree with all of you. <laughs> and and I, I hope I get this right, Jennifer. I, I believe she said, I don't even like all of you all the time. <laughs> but you're my family. And I thought, man, that is getting it right. We don't have to agree on everything. During COVID, one of my biggest prayers for this church was that we wouldn't divide. I, I was really thinking, I'm like, seriously, like, we have such diversity of theological beliefs, we're going to let masks divide us? 
Like, that would be so sad. Yet it happens. Are we going to let politics divide us? That's what's happening in the church. The church is being divided because of political views. We can't let that happen. The Spirit unites us because of the Spirit. That the Spirit transcends these other things. I'm not saying these other things aren't important, but I'm saying the transcendence of the Spirit in us is greater. Amen. Thanks, Kate. <laughs> when fellowship or community is broken because of these differing views, we're actually living out a wrong identity, not who we are. So that's number three. Number four, there are many members, and each member is indispensable. And this is where Paul has a little fun in this teaching, a little bit of humor. For the body does not consist of one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell? The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And when Paul uses the word member in here, he's not talking about church membership. He's talking about um, just being a part of the body. Um, so if you, like taking it practical to us, if you're a Christian and, you're, and Red Cedar Church is your home, whether you're a member or not, you're indispensable, is what this passage is saying. That you're an important part of the body, a necessary part of the body. So I have a question. Raise your hand if you've thought about your pancreas in the last week. <laughs> now, uh, I actually think about it a lot. Uh, it's, I think the pancreas is one of the lesser parts of the body, right? I think everyone would agree, right? We know what the eyes do. We know what the hands do. We, we know the important organs like the heart or the liver or the kidney. The pancreas just seems so minor. But I think about it because mine doesn't work. And that makes me a type 1 diabetic. And I have to wear an insulin pump and a monitor 24-7. I have to make an extra 180 decisions a day. Because this, this little part that seems so weak and not important, this little part in my body doesn't work but it impacts my whole life. And I think that's what Paul is saying about the church, is that one part that if you think it's little, but you're not doing your part, everything, everyone is impacted. We need each one of us to function as a part of the body of Christ. Each member of the body is indispensable which means that you are indispensable. And I imagine you don't feel indispensable, but you're indispensable according to God's word. So you have to take it up with God if you disagree. Um, 
But if you don't do your part, whatever that part is, it may be a small part, it may be a big part, but if you don't do your part, the body suffers, is the point. So number five, God composed the body as he wills. Verse 18 and 24 says, uh, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. So the Corinthians had been ranking gifts and abilities. They were ranking which ones were the best and the most important and then which of them had them. And that's why they were throwing shade on Paul and saying, you know, you write pretty good, but you're not a good preacher. And, and they were looking down on him and talking bad about him. So whenever you start doing this, you miss out because Paul's saying, hey, God's the one that put the body together. God's the one that composed this body. God arranged the body so we can't compare ourselves to others. We can't live in jealousy with each other because God composed the body as he wills. I don't know why God placed you in this body, but he did. And that's, that's something to think about this summer is why did God put me in this body? What is my role in this church? And then the last. The body is composed by God to care for one another. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. The body is put together by God to care for one another. If one suffers, all suffer. If one rejoices, all or if one is honored, all rejoice. So if you took notes, I just listed six observations uh, on the body of Christ from 1 Corinthians 12. I want you to look at your notes um, and just take a, a second to, to reflect on them and maybe put a star by one that resonates with you. And if there's one you don't get, or if you think I didn't interpret it right, you could put a question mark or something. Um, but yeah, put a star by the one that maybe you think, yeah, this really resonates with me, or this is one I, I, I need to think about more. Now I want you to turn to someone and tell that someone what your starred one was and why you picked it. So just take a minute. It's okay to talk. All right, seems like people have shared something. Just good to think about. I don't want to 
teach to teach, I want us to really think about ourselves as a body. I want us to be make this a practical sermon. Um, so point six, I think, is the most pragmatic of these, um, in that we need to be a part of the body to care for one another. I think that's something we all would see as, a, as an important part of the body. Um, I imagine partly why you chose to be a part of Red Cedar is a smaller church is one where you could actually get to know each other and care more deeply for each other. Uh, around 15 years ago, our son Jack uh, became friends with a kid from Japan named Yo. And our families hung out together. Um, and they even came here with us on Christmas Eve. They came here on Easter. First two times they'd ever been in church. And uh, his dad, Taka, was a visiting scholar and uh, spent a year here. And right before we moved back to Japan, we got lunch to talk about faith. And, uh, and we had a great time, and I got to share the gospel with him, and uh, he got to share with me that he was an atheist. Uh, but he wanted to clarify, because he had been in America for a year, and he was like, but I'm not an angry atheist. <laughs> He's like, I'm not, an a I'm not an atheist that's opposed to Christianity. I'm just an atheist, because in my country, people don't think about God, and I never really thought about God. And, and by the way, that type of atheist is what's growing. I know there's angry atheists out there. I know there's people that want to fight. But in general, I think this population of atheists and agnostics is growing not with angry people, just with indifferent people. And that's where Taka was. And, and as, as I shared the gospel with him, he told me he understood it. And he was able to repeat it back to me, but he didn't believe it. But then he said something interesting. He said, but I really see the value of church. And I was like, oh, tell me why. And, and he said, because you have something outside of your life to care for you or to be a part of. You have a community to be a part of. And, and he shared with me how, at least his life in Japan, he's like, you have your family and you have your work. And that's it. And it, he made a connection I had never thought about, and this was his opinion, but he said the reason a lot of people commit suicide when they lose their job in Japan is because they have nothing else. Because work is their life and their friends, and they lost all that. And then they brought shame on the family. And he's like, I see the value of a church. And, it, and it's good. I actually looked up churches. I found his address. He told me his address. I found churches, Christian churches near him. I'm like, do you have an option? Um, I don't know if he ever did anything with it, but... But I found it interesting that an atheist who had been to two church services his whole life sees the value of the body of Christ. And it's caring for one another. It's rejoicing together. It's, it's sharing life together. So the question that makes us think about is what keeps us from living as the body of Christ? What keeps us from really living out the design that we talked about in 1 Corinthians 12. And I got two answers, and they both come from a, a guy, Stephen Um. I used his commentary on 1 Corinthians. He's a pastor in Boston, and I was kind of convicted by him, and so I just thought they were good. Uh, so, oh, there's my summary. All right, number one, we live as consumers, not as members of the body. 
We live as consumers. It is easier to show up to a church service to consume something. It's easy to just show up and to hope to get something out of the time to say, man, hope the pastor's on. Hope Rick's here and not one of these gas preachers. And uh, I, hope, I hope the worship song team plays my song that I just love. I hope somebody brought snacks. Um, right? We come wanting to consume, and it takes energy and commitment to be a member. It's easy to come and consume. It's much tougher to show up and say, who could I encourage today? Who can I suffer with or rejoice with? Who can I greet and make them feel welcomed and seen and cared for? Those are harder things. So the first reason we don't live as the body is that we live as consumers, not as members. Second, is that we prefer self-care to mutual care. We're so individualistic that we prefer self-care to mutual care. It's easier. Mutual care is messy. Mutual care is hard. It takes energy and work to care for others, but it also requires us to swallow our pride to let others care for us. Mutual care means that we're interdependent, and we don't want to be interdependent. <laughs> we want it to be us. And I know, for, I'm speaking to myself here, I'm highly independent, and I, I find myself bristling when I have to be dependent on others, when I have to be put in a position. Even there is a time, this isn't in the script, so maybe I shouldn't say it, but there's a time that I had a conference to go to, and we all, like, someone put in this, like, email, was like, hey, we're all going to get a minivan together. And I was like, oh, I'll get my own car. <laughs> and I got a reply back and was like, why? And I'm like, because I don't want to be stuck going wherever everyone in the minivan wants to go. Or, like, I just want the freedom to get in my car and go do what I want to do. And, and I realized, ooh, I'm really dependent, <laughs> independent. Um, so we prefer self-care to mutual care. So what can we do? I've got two ideas how we could live as the body of Christ at Red Cedar. Number one, intentionality. We, we, if we want to live as the body of Christ, we have to intentionally seek to be members and not just consumers. To be a part of the body requires intentionality. To be honest, being a consumer is just our default. We're a consumer country. Like, it is natural for us to just be the consumer. So if we're going to live differently, we have to be intentional. It won't just happen. Um, so here's some tips that I think how we could be intentional. You could come up with your own tips. This might be a good thing to talk about as a small group. Because it's not just Sunday that I'm talking about any time that we gather and so maybe this would be a good thing to talk about as your small group a couple things i thought of um is one just pray on your way to church um the last church before we came here 18 years ago uh, i think robin and i would say we lived as consumers in that church when things were going well when the sermons were 
in the word and going well, we were enjoying that church. And when they didn't, we were grumbling and complaining. And when we switched to this church, we were like, we're going to do it different. And we started praying on our way to church. And it makes a difference. It makes a difference to the softness of your own heart, but it, it gives you eyes. You walk into church thinking, all right, Lord, would you want to use me in someone's life today? Would you want to speak your truth through me? Would you want me to show your care? And so that's one way we could just be intentional. Is don't just show up to church, but show up already having talked to the Lord, asking him to use you. Uh, second thing, look to encourage every time you gather. Every small group think, I'm going to encourage one person. So if you're a task person, you know, check that off your box right away. <laughs> it's like, encourage someone, and then you could check it off. And like, but just look for an opportunity um, to do it. Next, meet some new people. Um, this may be brand new. I think our church is really good at meeting brand new people. Uh, but it may be someone that's here that you just don't know very well. Take the time to do that. That's a part of being the body. It's something anyone could do. Um, branch out beyond your friend group or your age group. One of the benefits that I tell everyone about Red Cedar is we are multi-generational. We have lots of little kids. We have people into their 80s. We have everyone in between. It's a benefit, but we don't experience the benefit if you stay in your age group. Um, working with college students, I could tell you whenever a college student chooses Red Cedar as their church, maybe it's because they needed a ride, but often it's because they want the multi-generational community. So if you just think, oh, well, they already know Becca or Laura or Brian or Robin, like, no, they want to know you. They already know us. They came because of you. Same with the kids in our church. Get to know the kids in your church. Um, I, uh, last week, cleaning up chairs, I got to move chairs with Benjamin. And, uh, and I was like, that's really fun. And he's really strong, too. <laughs> and we finished the last chair together. We were doing that section, and, like, it was five high, you know, so the two of us did. And I thought, that's cool. I got to do this with Benjamin. It's little things like that that we can do, get to know people outside your age group. And then kids, I don't see a lot of kids in here. Um, okay, thank you. Uh, so I'll preach to you guys back there. Thanks for waving. <laughs> but you're indispensable here as well. Um, that you're members of the body and you're valuable and, and we need you here. And I would just say as you get older, Find places to serve somehow. It may be moving chairs like Benjamin was. It may be running around picking up communion cups. It may be something more specific. But just find a way that you could plug in and serve. It'll make your experience so much better. You'll feel more a part of the body. Um, and then the last thing I'll say on this tip is, um, you know, I, I know some of you may have limitations that you want to do more intentionally than you can and you're indispensable though and find something your your encouragement matters your presence matters your prayers matter so the first practical way we could live as the body is be intentional wherever you are at a church event or throughout the week and then the second thing take on a role at the church 
I promise you, uh, Sherry, who's sending out the emails, for, did not ask me to preach on this. <laughs> but we do have summer. People are getting asked to do stuff for the fall. You got three weeks to think, where, where would the Lord, what role would the Lord have me be a part of here? Next week, we're going to send off Matt and Lauren. It's going to be hard for all of us to, to say goodbye to them. But I think we all know they, had, they took on a lot of roles in the church. It wasn't a role. There's a lot of roles. And I think all of us are going to have to step into some of those roles. And maybe you've been a finger, and it's time that you've got to become a hand. You've got to increase your role. Uh, maybe you haven't been doing much, and you're like, okay, I need to step in and try something. I need to do something. But it's a, it's a good way that we could be a part of the body. Um, and honestly, it's, it's one of the best ways to get to know people. It, whether you're working in the nursery, you get to know all the parents that way, or whether you're serving, you, even if it's just doing the coffee, you got some other people you're working with, you get to know some people. Um, that time 18 years ago when we were deciding this is going to be our church we were sitting in the back and I remember Robin turning to me and saying if we go to this church we can't hide in the back we're going to have to serve and I'm like yep <laughs> and we didn't know where we could serve we had two little kids a ministry that was growing that we were leading and it's like where are we going to serve? Where are we going to find the time? It's always difficult to find the time, to find the energy. How are we going to do this? But we just prayed and said, God, would you use us? And took the little opportunities that we could. It's a step of faith uh, whenever you do. And then the bonus with serving in a role is it's actually a way that you grow. Because you need God when you're serving. You, you, you may be a greeter and think, man, I'm not feeling that happy today. <laughs> and I got to greet everyone that's coming in. God, would you fill me with your spirit so that I could be a good greeter today? Or whatever. You know, maybe you're supposed to be teaching kids and it's chaos. And you're like, Lord, give me your spirit to lead these kids. But it's a way that you could grow. So, to close, uh, the blessing that I have received by being a part of the church here has been tremendous. Um, but it does take intentionality. And it takes commitment when you have no idea where you're going to find the time. How am I going to commit? But this is the way God designed it. He designed the, the church to function like a human body, where each part is necessary. Each part needs to work together. And the more we live out this design the more we're going to grow closer to him. So take some time these next few weeks to think about your own life here in the church and think, what is my role? What is a way I could be more intentional? So as we prepare for communion, um, I could invite the band and those serving to come forward. I'll say a few words about communion. Um, for years... Uh, while I was on the elder team, we debated, do we do communion weekly or do we do it monthly? And there's no right or wrong answer in the Bible, and obviously we've chosen to do it weekly. Um, and I really enjoyed it for two reasons. Uh, one, it's just a visual reminder of truth that we need every single week. 
that, that Christ died, broke his body, shed his blood for us. And that visual reminder, more than just the word reminder, is, I think, powerful. Um, but the second reason that fits in with today is I, I really take into enjoying seeing people come up together and, and reminded, who is my body? And, you know, we sit up in the front, and so I don't see most of your faces, but I see you walk by and take communion, and I'm able to pray, or I'm able to celebrate and think, yeah, our body, there is some diversity in our body, to see people in, in line that are really different. And I'm like, this is, these are my people, this is my body. And it's a good reminder uh, for that. But as we take communion, really, I want us to think about this. The reason we're unified is this. We're unified because we're, we're people who partake of the grace of Jesus. We partake of the broken body. We partake of the shed blood that cleanses us, and that's what unites us. For all our differences that, that exist in this church, we share a common need for a Savior. We all are broken and we need a savior and as we take communion we're reminded we're all here together we're all people that just need the grace of God in our life so how we'll do it as usual if you're regulars here we'll come down the center aisle we'll take our communion we'll go back to our chairs and we'll hold it and I'll come back up and we'll take it together in unity before we do that, I just want to give you a moment to pray. I think communion is a good time to just pause and to reflect and, and even to ask, is there a sin that I need to confess? Is there some gratitude I want to express to God? This is a good time to do it. So take uh, 30 minutes, or 30 minutes, <laughs> take 30 seconds um, and, and pray, and then I'll pray. Lord, we're uh, eternally grateful that you came, lived a sinless life, and uh, died, shed your blood, and rose again so that we would have life. And Lord, as we take this together as a body, um, may we be reminded of just your grace, your mercy, and your love extended toward us. We need you. And we love you in Jesus' name. Amen.